Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Angela Bliner, joined alongside my co-hosts, Campbell Klein, Dean McCollum, and Tyler Fertel. Today, we're going to be looking at each Eastern Conference team and the moves they've made so far in free agency in the 2020 NBA offseason. First, we'll be looking at the Atlanta Hawks. In free agency, the Atlanta Hawks signed Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, and Solomon Hill. Out of those signings, which one stands out uh, the most to you guys, and which one do you think is going to affect their team the most? Uh, I'll start here. Well, for me, I think that these the Danilo Gallinari and Rajon Rondo signings uh, stand out for me. Rajon Rondo, I feel like, is going to impact this squad really well. They're a relatively young team, and with a player that has won multiple NBA championships and can sit behind Trey Young and provide some experience and help uh, coming off the bench, I think this is going to be very important for this uh for the Hawks, I think that he's a great signing along with Danelle Gallinari, who has in the past been a pretty reliable scorer and can provide another good shooter at the small forward and power forward positions to play alongside John Collins, Trey Young, Clint Capella, and more. So I think these two signings were really good, and I think that they're going to be a much improved squad going into next season. Yeah, Tyler, I agree. The Rajon Rondo one is especially important because the Hawks had zero point guard depth uh, other than Trey Young last season. They had a trade for Jeff Teague, who we'll get to in a moment on the next team. At the, uh, for They had a trade for Jeff Teague at the trade deadline because they had absolutely no good backup point guard. And I'm actually going to sort of disagree with you on the D- Danilo Gallinari. I understand he's a very good piece and he was really good last season on the Thunder and he led to most of their success. But... Uh, I've, I've still been a little confused as to why they signed him. They still have John Collins. They still haven't traded him. He's been in so many trade rumors, but they still haven't pulled the trigger on a John Collins trade yet. And I'm also going to talk about the Chris Dunn signing. It might not be as flashy as the Rajon Rondo. He's a two-time NBA champion and the Danilo Gallinari uh, uh, signing. But Chris Dunn is an elite defender and Trey Young is statistically one of the worst defenders in the NBA. So Chris Dunn hopefully can help him out on the defensive side of the ball, maybe play some backup shooting guard, or maybe even slide into that starting shooting guard spot. Uh, Yeah, I'll go off of uh, the Danilo Gallinari signing. Uh, I sort of agree with Dean. I'm a little bit confused by it as Gallinari hasn't been super healthy the past few years. He had a healthy season last year, as Dean said, He led the Thunder to a surprising, I think, five-seed playoff spot. But he's over 30 years old, and he got 20-plus million a year, and he's never made an all-star team. That's a little bit surprising to me, in my opinion, but I guess he had a good season last year, and that's all that matters to the Hawks. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate this again, but Danelle Gallinari provides some experience for this team, something that they really lacked last season with their two best players in Trey Young and John Collins not being experienced, only been in the league for a couple seasons. So I think that Danello can slide into that number, the number three in the starting lineup. And I think that he can definitely provide some extra shooting that this team needs alongside Trey Young and Kevin Hoyter. So I think that, I don't know what you guys think, but I think that he can be a very important signing for them in the playoffs if they do make it there. I know we have to move on to the next team really quick, but uh, I'm just going to say, I don't think that Gallinari can really play the three. He's really old, like Campbell said, and he just doesn't have the footwork and foot speed to keep up with uh, exciting, very fast threes in the NBA, such as LeBron James or someone else like that. So I think that's why he's more of a four. So that's why I'm still a little confused on this signing. All right. Well, you guys all make uh, very valid points. Uh, We're going to move on to the Boston Celtics now. 
Um, the Boston Celtics, they acquired uh, center Tristan Thompson and uh, point guard Jeff Teague, as Dean just mentioned, to be their backup point guard behind Kemba. And it looks like Tristan Thompson will probably get the starting role um, over uh, Daniel Tice. So what do you guys think of these moves by the Celtics? Uh, for me, I really like the Tristan Thompson signing for the Celtics team. One of their biggest needs last year was size, and they got that with the Tristan Thompson uh, signing. He can play alongside or uh, start over Daniel Tice because I think that Daniel Tice can also play that power forward role if they want to slide Tatum there late in late game scenarios if they need two big men in the game. So I think that he's definitely a good signing for this team. And I also like the Jeff Teague signing because one of the, the Celtics' biggest weaknesses last year was having Brad Wanamaker as their backup point guard. And they addressed this situation by signing a good backup point guard and former all-star in Jeff Teague, a player who might not shoot very much, but can get a lot of assists. So I think these two signings could definitely help them in the long run or next year. I mean, yeah, I expected uh, the Celtics to maybe trade Gordon Hayward, do a little sign and trade with the Pacers to acquire Miles Turner, who's more of a traditional center as Tristan Thompson's only a one-inch upgrade, I would say, over Daniel Tice as he's only one inch taller than him. And that was one of their biggest issues. They couldn't grab a lot of rebounds over other teams with traditional centers who were paint players mainly. But uh, I agree with Tyler. Yeah, Jeff Teague's a really good signing as they have a really stacked team and one of their weaknesses was that backup point guard spot. So they brought in Jeff Teague, which was really good. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, continue off of what you guys were saying about the Tristan Thompson signing. Uh, I agree with both Tyler and Dean. I think this is a good signing as this Celtics team is already really, really well-rounded. They're just a super young team, so they still have a lot of time to develop. But I think it's good to, to put someone like Tristan Thompson, who has a lot of, or not a lot of, but he has playoff experience and put him on this team. And Tristan Thompson isn't a veteran, but as I said, he has a lot of experience in big games, so that should be good for this young Celtics team. And before we move on to the next team, I'd just like to mention that uh, Jason Tatum recently signed his five-year max extension, so he will be a Boston Celtic for at least the next four years. I think he has a player option on the fifth year, but that's something worth noting as he will be the franchise player for the Celtics moving forward. All right, now we're going to move to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, the Nets didn't do too much in free agency. Uh, they traded for Bruce Brown, a guard from the Pistons. They also traded, um, a first round pick to the Los Angeles Clippers for Landry Shim in a three team deal, which sent Luke Kennard to the Clippers, which we can talk about more later. And then free agency, they made one signing where they signed Jeff green, uh, to get another forward, uh, and get some bench depth. So there's not much going on here, but how do you think these signings, uh, and these trades will help the Nets this season? Um, uh, I think uh, what the Nets were tr just trying to do this offseason is just get deeper as a team. Bruce Brown, lockdown defender. He's young. Uh, he still has a lot of scoring potential. He's, like I mentioned, he's a great defender. Landry Shamit can shoot the ball really well. And Jeff Green, uh, their biggest hole uh, as a team is the power forward spot. So he could uh, bring them some veteran depth off the bench. Yeah, and I think additionally, we didn't talk about this uh very much, or Andrew didn't mention this, but they also re-signed Joe Harris, uh, their starting small forward last year. And I think that alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, Joe Harris could potentially be that lights out shooter they have needed him to be in the past years and he's produced. So I think that keeping him was a great choice for the Nets and they did that. And uh, additionally, I think that a big rumor here has been signing, or I mean, trading for James Harden. And I think that that hasn't happened yet, but it, 
you know, we never know that still could be happening. They have a lot of young assets they could potentially trade, like Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, and Spencer Dinwiddie. But we'll see if the Rockets end up trading him or if they try to. Uh, yeah, as uh, Andrew said, not a super eventful uh, – or the offseason isn't over, but so far not a super super eventful offseason. Uh, as Tyler said, there was an interesting period of time with conspiracy about James Harden wanting out of Houston, but in my opinion, that's looking pretty unlikely at this point. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, now we're going to move on to the next team, the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, free agency, they made – a very controversial signing, uh, signing Gordon Hayward, uh, four years, $120 million. That was their only free agency signing because it, uh, took all the money and all their cap space that they have. Um, I don't really like this move. I don't think it's the direction the Hornets should be going in. It feels like they're going all out for the eighth seed, which probably isn't the move if you're a bad team. Um, I'm not sure what you guys think about this. Dean, what do you think of this Gordon Hayward signing? Yeah, just like you, I don't really agree with how much money especially they paid and how long they're paying Gordon Hayward for. Gordon Hayward will be making $30 million with the Charlotte Hornets at age 35, which is uh, pretty crazy. I don't think that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be any better than the sixth seed in their four years with Gordon Hayward. So I don't really see a – I thought they should take this more slow, go through the draft, all that stuff. I don't really know why there was any rush to bring in a veteran like Gordon Hayward who used to be an all-star but hasn't been back to his all-star self since he was in Utah. Yeah, uh, I agree, Dean. I don't know if Gordon Hayward was signing him to a $30 million deal a year. I mean, I don't know if that was the move for Charlotte because they did just draft LaMelo Ball, who's going to be their player for the future. And they also have Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, so they stacked on guards. But I guess it kind of makes sense if they're trying to make the playoffs and kind of regain all their fans because – as we know, the Hornets don't have the biggest fan base, and I don't blame their fans. I mean, they have been an exciting team to watch in the past. So, I mean, LaMelo Ball can potentially uh, get them some more fans, but maybe trying to make a playoff push with Gordon Hayward, I mean, that could potentially be something that they could do. All right, yeah, not not much going on um, with the Hornets besides that huge uh, Gordon Hayward deal. We'll move on to the Bulls, um, who – didn't really do much. Um, they only signed one free agent. They didn't make any trades. The one free agent they signed was shooting guard Garrett Temple, a nice 3 and D player. Um, that's not really worth expanding on because the Bulls, they pretty much stayed pat for the entire offseason. Um, we'll move on now to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who made a couple of uh, signings. Um, they re-signed Matthew Delavadova. Uh, to help them defensively because they have the worst defensive backcourt in the NBA. They were the worst defensive team statistically last year. Uh, they also signed former New York Knicks shooting guard Damian Dotson, who is a good 3 and D player. And they also traded uh, with the Lakers for JaVale McGee. They traded Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney, two young players for JaVale McGee, uh, who helps their defense a lot as he is a great shot blocker. So what do you guys think? I mean, it's not much. It's just little signings. But is there anything that, I mean, you guys want to talk about with this team? Okay, so, yeah, I think the JaVale McGee trade, for me, I was a little weirded out by this trade, at least for the Cavs' point of view, because from a Lakers' point of view, a Lakers fan, this trade was just to clear up cap space to sign Marcus Saul, and the Lakers got two young, okay players in Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney coming back for an older JaVale McGee, and 
for in my perspective, at least, it doesn't seem that the Cavs are going to make a playoff push anytime soon. So making this trade was a little weird for me, at least, but they had to have something in mind. They're getting a def- good defender to go behind Andre Drummond. So, yeah. All right. Uh, we are now going to move on to our next team, the Detroit Pistons, who had a very active free agency. Um, so first of all, the Detroit Pistons, uh, they were involved in a couple of trades. Uh, they traded for DeLon Wright from the Mavericks. They traded uh, for uh, Dizanon Musa. I'm probably mispronouncing that name, but um, he has some nice dunk potential. And then they were part of the th- a three-team trade with the Clippers and Nets, where they gave away Luke Kennard, but got back Rodney Magruder and, and a pick. And they also traded uh, for Dwayne Dedman from the Hawks. In free agency, they signed a ton of big men. They signed Mason Plumley. They signed Jaleel Okafor. They signed Jeremy Grant. And they signed Josh Jackson. So this is kind of like the Knicks with power forwards last year. Um, the, the Pistons, I guess they thought it would be a great idea to load up on big men. Um, I mean, one thing here that definitely sticks out is Jeremy Grant actually leaving the Nuggets. It was reported that he got the same amount of money offered from the Nuggets, but he wanted to get a bigger offensive role on the Pistons. So what does this mean for Blake Griffin as Jeremy Grant plays the same position as Blake? And do you think Jeremy Grant can be the face of the Pistons franchise in the future? Um, it's not only that, uh, the only, it's not the only problem that he's the same position as Blake Griffin. He's also the same position as their last year lottery pick, Sekou Dumboya, and their uh, first round pick this year that they got from the Nets, Sadiq Bey. So I have no idea what uh, the Pistons are doing right now. Uh, they obviously assigned Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, all three of those guys over bringing Christian Wood back. Obviously, that's three players instead of one. But still, uh, they also grabbed Josh Jackson from the Grizzlies uh, in free agency. I like that signing. He was a former top five pick. He still has some potential left in him. So uh, I I don't have much to say because they're going to be stacked on power forwards, just like Andrew mentioned the Knicks were this past season. Yeah, it was a little odd seeing them pick up a bunch of power forwards and centers. But for me, at least, I like that trade for DeLon Wright. I think that he definitely has a lot of I've liked watching him in the past. He's a flashy player, but we'll see. Maybe he can sit behind their new rookie Killian Hayes and play and give them some good minutes and good play uh good points. But I think that Jeremy Grant and Killian Hayes are definitely going to be a dynamic duo for years to come. Uh yeah, I don't really need to say much here. Uh sort of to summarize what everyone else was saying. They're gonna have uh a lot of power forward and center congestion. So uh, it should be interesting. They have a lot of uh, strong players, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. All right. So um, yeah, the, uh, the Pistons, they loaded up on big men. We'll see how that plays out during the season. We'll see how their rotation uh, works, but um, now we'll move on to the next Eastern conference team. And that is the Indiana Pacers who did not make any, any free agency signings and they did not make uh, any trades. So, um, they, they just, I guess they liked their team. There are rumors that they were in a signing trade with Gordon Hayward, but they were reluctant to give up, uh, TJ Ward and Aaron holiday, who they think can be, uh, uh, cornerstones for the future on their team, along with Victor Oladipo and miles Turner. So I guess Indiana say they like the team where there is, and they didn't, they didn't need to go out and sign anyone to improve their team. So we'll see how that works for them. 
now we'll move on to the next uh, team we'll be discussing, and that is the Miami Heat. So the, the Miami Heat, they didn't make any major moves, but they definitely bolstered their bench. Uh, they signed Maurice Harkless to a deal, uh, the former Nick and former Clipper. He got traded midseason, who is a good uh, 3 and D bench player. And then they also got Avery Bradley, who um, I thought was aging out of his prime. But on the Lakers last year, he showed that he can actually be a really good two guard and he can space the floor and also play great defense. Um, and he'll help out Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who aren't the best defenders. Um, so I think those are two good signings by them. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I like the Avery Bradley signing for the Heat. Uh yeah, Avery Bradley's a good defender, can shoot the three ball. I guess he went with the opposite Kevin Durant strategy. If you can beat them, join them. Uh, but uh, it's it's hard as a Laker fan to lose Avery Bradley. As you said, he, in my opinion, he proved himself as our third best player during the regular season. Obviously didn't come to the bubble for uh, health reasons, but I'm wishing him the best in uh, Miami. Yeah, uh, Campbell, it's okay. I know all of, you guys all know we're Lakers fans. It's okay. We won with that. And um, anyways, talking about the Heat, uh, their free agency, uh, they obviously improved their depth a lot. Uh, Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley, two of those guys, really good pieces. And not to talk about the draft a lot since we just did a draft podcast that's coming out soon. Um, they they got Precious Achuish, who should definitely be a good role player off the bench uh, in his rookie season. So. Yeah, to agree with Campbell, I really like this signing for Avery Bradley for the Miami Heat. I, it was tough to see him go as a Laker fan, but you know what? He's going to really bolster this Heat's uh, their guard defense. I mean, they have great defense with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo with their bigs, and they just added to that with Precious Achua. But I think that they getting Avery Bradley is a very good uh, pickup for them because he can pl- he can guard the uh, point guard and shooting guard. So it's a very good pickup for them. All right, now move on to our next Eastern Conference team, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks, um, they had a pretty active free agency. So first of all, at the beginning of free agency, they traded uh, for Drew Holiday, and they gave up Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks and two pick swaps uh, to the Pelicans in exchange for Drew Holiday, who will be probably their second option because Middleton in, in this past bubble, uh, Chris Middleton proved that he is not a viable second option on a contending team. They also signed DJ Augustine, um, who's a nice backup point guard who can shoot. And they also signed uh, Bobby Portis, the ex Nick, who um, he he's, I think he's like six ten, six eleven. He's a good, he's a good role player. Um, he can space the floor and hit threes uh, so he can play alongside Giannis. So I think uh, overall good signings for the Bucks. Um, I can, I I'm starting to sense with the Bucks that they feel as if they're on a countdown before Giannis leaves. Um, they're trying to win it all this year and uh, persuade Giannis to sign the Supermax and stay with them in the offseason. He hasn't signed it yet, so we're still awaiting uh, what he's going to do. If he'll even sign it before the season, we're, we don't know. But um, do you guys think these moves uh, that Milwaukee made this offseason uh, can lead to a championship for the Bucs? Um, the Bucks are definitely the Bucks have, definitely have a capable enough team to uh, make it to the championship, if not win it. Uh, they brought in a former All Star, Drew Holiday, who uh, probably should be going back to his uh, point guard roots. That's where that's the position he played back in Philly, where he 
made the all-star team. They brought in DJ Augustine to replace George Hill. DJ Augustine was a great backup point guard for Markel Fultz on the Magic last season. And they brought in Bobby Portis to replace Ursan Ilyasova. So I do think they got uh, a few significant upgrades, uh, whether it was on their bench or in their starting five. So, uh, yeah, I think that they did make some significant moves and uh, they're going to get better. Yeah, I agree, Dean. I think that the Bucks have definitely realized that it's go big or go home for them this year. I mean, they kind of need to at least make the NBA championship if they want to for sure keep Giannis. There have been rumors that he could sign the Supermax before the season. I don't know if that's going to happen, but he has. they have definitely shown him that they're invested in winning now, which is definitely a big thing for him. And I think that, yeah, they also did try to trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. That ended up not going through, but they get to keep Dante DiVincenzo and a couple other players and picks. So, I mean... DiVincenzo can be a good player off the bench. And I think that Drew Holiday is definitely going to be a good starting option and uh, another player for them to rely on. All right. Not much else to uh, discuss here. Move on to the next team. My favorite team, the New York Knicks. Um, So the Knicks, uh, they made one minor trade. They traded Ed Davis, um, who they actually required uh, from the Jazz. They acquired Ed Davis and two second-round picks for cash considerations from the Jazz. They then flipped Ed Davis to the Timberwolves for former former first-round picks Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman, as well as another second-round pick. Um, in terms of free agency signings, nothing big. They signed Alec Burks to a one-year contract, Nerlens Noel to a one-year contract, and they signed Austin Rivers to a three-year, $10 million contract. So that's about 3.3 mil a year. I think, personally, that's a steal because Austin Rivers has proved that he can be a great scorer off the bench, and he brings a lot of energy and intensity. In terms of the Nerlens Noel signing, the Knicks needed a backup center because they declined the player options on Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis, who were their backup bigs behind Mitchell Robinson. And they needed some shooting. And Alec Burks is a shot, I think, 39 or 40% from three last year um, during the season when he was with the Warriors. And then he ended the season with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and you need shooting. The Knicks need shooting alongside RJ Barrett. So that's a good signing for them. Uh there were a lot of players the Knicks were looking at free agency, like Gordon Hayward, like Fred Van Fleet. But at the end of the day, the Knicks weren't willing to overpay like some teams did for those stars. So they just stayed patient um, and signed some a couple one-year contracts and a bargain contract for Austin Rivers. Do you guys have anything to say about the Knicks moves? Well, for me, I think that the headline going into next season is just going to be Obi Toppin, personally. I mean, he's the future of their franchise, and along R.J. Barrett, I think he can do some good stuff, so we'll see about that. All right, I assume you guys don't have anything else uh, to talk about the Knicks, so we will move on to the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic uh, did not do much. Uh, they made no trades. They made one free agency signing. They signed Dwayne Bacon, who was a former... Uh, reserve player on the Charlotte Hornets. So there's not much to uh, talk about here. We'll move on to the Philadelphia 76ers who were very active in free agency. Daryl Morey, new GM already coming in and making a ton of moves. First of all, they traded for Danny green um, from the Oklahoma city thunder. They also got Terrence Ferguson as part of that trade. They traded Josh Richardson, who was mainly a defensive playmaker for them for Seth Curry to acquire some shooting alongside Ben Simmons. Um, and then they also traded for Tony Bradley from the Utah Jazz. In terms of free agency signings, they signed Dwight Howard, 
who is going to be a very uh, productive backup center behind Joel Embiid. So the Sixers, they made some good moves. Uh, They got some much-needed shooting that they were missing this past season because of the loss of J.J. Redick. Dean, what do you think of these moves? All right, so uh, when you have Daryl Morey as your new GM, he's going to make a lot of moves to help your team improve immediately. So uh, they obviously traded for Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson, and they also brought in one of the best shooters uh, percentage-wise in the NBA, uh, Seth Curry, Steph's brother, who's a great shooter from behind the arc. They brought in Tony Bradley in a trade, and they also signed Dwight Howard. Um, I like the Dwight Howard signing because uh, I believe Kylo Quinn and Norvell Pell were their two front court backups uh, to Al Horford, who they also traded and um, uh, Joel Embiid. So Dwight Howard definitely going to bring a lot of intensity and excitement off the bench, and hopefully Philly can get back on track and be healthy next year. Yeah, Dean, like you said, Daryl Morey addressed the biggest thing that the Sixers needed, shooting. They got Seth Curry and Danny Green, who are pretty reliable shooters. Uh, Dwight Howard's going to be a good backup center behind Joel Embiid. It was tough to see him go after he tweeted that he was staying, but... We got Montrez, Harold, and Marcus Hall, so I think everything ended up okay. But, yeah, the Sixers are just what they needed to, and they are looking like contenders going into next season. Oh, uh, yeah, Dean and Tyler already did a good job of summarizing their uh, offseason so far. But just to reiterate, Danny Green and Seth Curry being signed, I, I really like those signings for this team because in the bubble they had a lot of trouble knocking down shots from behind the arc. And uh, Danny Green will be super consistent for them when they're up uh, – 40 in the third quarter. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see the 76ers next year. All right. The next team uh, we're going to be discussing is the Toronto Raptors. So they lost some big free agents uh, in free agency, but they re-signed uh, their starting point guard, Fred Van Fleet. Um, he was a key part of their championship run two years ago and a key part of their playoff team last year. Um they also signed Aaron Baines, who's going to be their starting center because they lost Marcus Saul. They re-signed Chris Boucher, who has a ton of young potential, and he is a great finisher at the rim and a great rim protector. They signed DeAndre Bembry for some uh, bench depth, and they also signed Alex Len to be another backup big. So what do you guys think of these moves by the Raptors? Yeah, one signing I'd like to highlight for the Raptors is the signing of Aaron Baines. Uh, he did a good job getting out of Phoenix after DeAndre Aiden came back from his uh, suspension at the beginning of the year. And in those games that DeAndre Aiden was out, uh, Aaron Baines looked solid. He was a he was a dominant fantasy player, some might say. So uh, I'm excited for him to be the starting center on the Raptors this year. Uh, yeah, what really sucks for the Raptors is that they lost their two starting big men they had from last season, Sergi Baca to the Clippers and Marcus All to the Lakers. Um, and now they have Chris Boucher and um, Aaron Baines, which is definitely a downgrade. Um, I mean, that's all I have to say, really. They didn't really get that much better. Uh, they got a little worse, so that's all I have to say on the Raptors. I think the big headlines for the Raptors going into next season are going to be they re-signed Fred Van Viet to a big four-year contract. I think that was very important for them. And they also did not re-sign their two best centers from last season, which I think is going to be a problem. Aaron Baines is not as good as either Serge Ibaka or Marcus Saul, who went to the two LA teams. So I think that's going to be a big problem for them going into next year, but we'll see what they have to do. They might sign another player like potentially Hassan Whiteside, but we'll see about that. 
All right, yeah, so the Raptor is not too active in free agency. Um, now we're going to go to the last Easter conference team we're going to be talking about today. That is the Washington Wizards. Um, so they didn't really make any trades, um, but they did make a couple free agency signings. They signed Raul Neto to be their backup point guard. They signed Robin Lopez uh, as a backup center, and they also signed Anthony Gill um, just for some bench depth. So, I mean, there's really not much here. It's not really worth talking about the Wizards. Um, they didn't do much. Um, they lost a couple guys, but we'll talk about where they went uh, later. Okay, now we're going to move on to our shot clock segment for today's episode. So the question for today's episode is, what has been the best free agency move, whether it's been a trade or a signing in the East? Uh, Tyler, we're going to start with you. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin. So for me, I want to say Drew Holiday because... That was a good move for the Bucks, but they did give up a lot. So I'm going to go with Seth Curry to the Sixers. They traded him for Josh Richardson, who was a disappointment and who was had a big contract. So Seth Curry can provide good shooting and can be a good role player for this team and potentially start if they need him to if someone gets hurt. He's a very good shooter and a like a former three-point contest winner, so I think he's going to be very good. All right, Dean, you're up now. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin. So I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks signing Rajon Rondo to play backup point guard uh, for them behind Trey Young. And here's why. Trey Young, obviously one of the most elite point guards in the NBA. And Rajon Rondo was the third best player definitely on the Los Angeles Lakers that helped them win their title this season. So I'm going to have to go with Rajon Rondo because he's going to teach Trey Young a lot. He's won two NBA championships. And Trey Young has a lot to learn from his defense and his passing. So I think it's going to be a great signing and it's going to work out well. Definitely agree. That was a great signing for the Atlanta Hawks. Campbell, we're going to move to you now. Uh, in your opinion, what has been the best uh, free agency offseason move uh, in the Eastern Conference? 24 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin. Uh, I think the best move was the Boston Celtics signing Tristan Thompson to be their starting center. As I said earlier in the podcast, he provides a playoff experience, but he's also in his late 20s, so he's still a young player. Last year, he averaged a career high in uh, points and added on 10 rebounds to go with it as well. So overall, I just think it's a really good signing for the Celtics, keeping their team young, but also providing experience. All right, now I'll be timing Andrew. 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. Okay, so I think the best offseason signing is the Atlanta Hawks signing Danilo Gallinari. And the reason why I think this is I think he is going to be able to be kind of like that second star for the moment. Although he's never been an all-star, he is an all-star caliber player. He's a career 18-point-per-game scorer. He had a great season last year. He's going to carry a lot of the scoring load off of Trey Young, and I think this will definitely help the Hawks be a top-eight team in the East in the upcoming season. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see if he can uh, continue his uh, stellar performance from last year. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ATBuzzerPodcast and the platform you're listening on today. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. Along with Campbell Klein, Dean McCollum, and Tyler Fertel, I'm Andrew Loveliner, signing off for now.